Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter, and we're here with the business edition. That's what we're going to call this episode of Breaking Big Blue, the business edition. And nobody better to talk to when we're talking about the business of the NFL and, and the, the cuts and the salaries and the free agent contracts that are going to be rolling in in the next few weeks than the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap. Uh, this man knows the economics of the NFL inside and out. So that's why he's a good man to talk to on this episode. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about some of the business that has already occurred. Now, we know this is an unprecedented year. The salary cap went down. Nobody predicted there would be a global pandemic. Now, teams have to make money. Now, the Giants are in pretty good shape. But still, like everyone else, they're going to have to create some salary cap space. And this, these are some moves that probably would have happened no matter what in any year. Golden Tate, he was released. Linebacker David Mayo, he was released as well. Creates about $8.3 million in salary cap space. Tate is a savings of $6 million. He was scheduled to count. I'm sorry. Yeah, $6 million. Uh, I was looking at Nate Solder's numbers for a second. But Golden Tate was scheduled to count $11 million against the salary cap, make an $8.5 million salary. Now, the gift that he leave behind, leaves behind is $5 million in dead money. Okay, Easy move for the Giants to make. He was a third receiver playing 44% of the snaps. You can't pay $8.5 million to a guy playing less than 50% of the snaps, especially on offense. I mean, you could certainly get better value than that. The Giants could find a third receiver on the open market this year for easily half of that. Now, they need to aim higher, really kind of get a, a number one receiver, bump down number two, the, the current one and two in Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, and that's how this team would be best served, especially with a young quarterback. We all know that. I think we all mostly agree on that. So golden take, easy cut. David Mayo, same thing, $2.3 million. That was what he was scheduled to make. That's straight cap savings uh, for the Giants. $0 in dead money. He was a backup linebacker this past year under Joe Judge and their system. Easily a position they could feel with a young guy. They did this past year. Uh, Tate Crowder was ahead of him on, on, and Devontae Downs was ahead of him on the depth chart. So David Mayo, an easy $2.3 million they could recoup and find players elsewhere with that money. Now, first for a second, we got to go back and because this is this is the end, right? This is the final nail in the coffin on the 2019 free agent class that the Giants had. Forget trades. We're talking free agents. Okay. Who they went in free agency, spent their money on and signed. Right. We're not going to talk about Kevin Zeitler for a second and Jabril Peppers, who they got in trades. Uh, That was, you know, uh, the Odell fallout. So that's kind of a separate deal. But when we're talking about they went to the open market, this was the Giants' plan. They signed Golden Tate, terrible signing at the time. We all knew it. Uh, it was a head-scratcher. We'll get to that one second. But Antoine Bethea, he was done. Marcus Golden, that ended up being a good one. They signed at the end on the cheap, and uh, he ended up being a good player for them. Olsen Pierre, waste of, waste of a signing. Uh, Mike Remmers, who was fine, did what they wanted him to do. Average starting tackle for them, probably below average even. And then David Mayo, who was fine. Had a good year for them. Not a bad signing. Certainly knew Dave Gettleman from before, so the Gettleman had knowledge of him and thought it was a good signing. Anyway, so that's the free agent hall of 2019 that has now been permanently 
extinguished. And just, I mean, forget the 2018, which was even worse, by the way. Going back, we'll get to that. We'll get we'll get to that probably in the next week. I'll I'll I'll, I'll bring out the full list. But that was the Nate Solder class. When the Giants settle up with Nate Solder, and look, that's there'll be some future moves still coming. Like Nate Solder's contract will be addressed. Uh, he just, he told me last week he intended to still play, but will it be with the Giants? Will they restructure? Take, will he take a pay cut? Uh, will or will they just flat cut him? These are all options, I believe. So they have to do something with his salary. He's $16.5 million against the cap. That's his cap hit. Kevin Zeitler, he's also, the more and more I think about this, he's also likely to be addressed. Because you're talking about a guy who's costing $14.5 million against the cap and a $12 million salary. He's a quality player, a good guard, probably their best offensive lineman. But that's probably way more than a player of his ilk at this point is worth, with the market being what it is right now. Kevin Zeitler on the open market, I don't think he's getting $12 million. I really don't. I don't think he's worth that. Can the Giants sign someone for six, seven, eight who can give them the same production? Probably. So addressing Kevin Zeitler's contract and status, I believe, is something that the Giants are going to do as well. I, I really do. I'm, I'm getting to that level. And Levine Tuilolo, uh, $2.95 million. That's like basically $3 million they could save with a blocking for a blocking tight end who, quite frankly, isn't a great blocker. You look at the size, you think he should be a great blocker. He's okay. But the Giants, we thought it at the time, again, thought they overpaid for Levine Tuilolo. Turns out they probably overpaid for Levine Tuilolo. So good chance that he's gone as well. Evan Ingram, people keep mentioning. No, I think Evan Ingram is part of this team's plan. I feel pretty good about that, that Evan Ingram is part of this team's plan, at least for now, unless, you know, we'll see how the draft goes. If they end up getting Kyle Pitts and, it falls that way, then maybe things change. But I, I really believe Evan Ingram is part of this team's plan. So we will see how it turns out. Those are kind of the more ways that can create money. But now let's go back to, okay, now that they made the move with Golden Tate for one second. Go back. 2018 total mess free agency. 2019, we just went over the list. We're bringing it up because this is finally the end. This is, you know, the end of that chapter. But before we go back, and this is why. I have always said, and there's nothing personal against Dave Gettleman and being, you know, uh, anti-Dave Gettleman or, or just, the, yes, this past season was good. But the thought process behind 2018 and 19 just does not give me a lot of confidence in him. Think about that. Golden Tate was 30 years old, 31 years old when the Giants signed him. He was already sort of diminishing. He didn't play particularly well in Philadelphia. They had asked him to play outside. He came there in the middle of the season via trade. And you could see it was entirely possible, and I wrote this at the time, that he was on the decline. And we saw that that turned out to be true. He's still a quality player, still could play, but he's not the player he once was. His separation, definitely minimal. And so in two years, the Giants paid $21.77 million. They got 84 catches, 1,064 yards, ATDs, a suspension, a suspension, and a benching. That's what they got from Golden Tate. And you can see that kind of move coming. So, I mean, just, it, it's more not, look, I know everybody misses on free agents. That's why they're, these guys are free agents. They're flawed. But to me, I, and I, I've seen some people out there say, oh, you know, everyone's going to miss. I, I don't mind it. No, you know, I grade on process, right? 
you're going to miss. Sure. But if your process and your thinking is correct, you're going to hit on more than you miss. So I look at the Golden Tate. I look at the, you know, even going back to rolling back Eli, the getting Saquon Barkley, the signing Golden Tate, the the signing Antoine Bethea, who we, who we knew was done, the Nate Solder, who was also older, not and not never a great player. I mean, these were Curtis Riley. Don't even. I'm not even going to get into that again. But the the thinking, the flawed thinking, is what always has given me hesitation. And this brings back the idea of how flawed the thinking was that with that 2019 class, and in particular with Golden Tate. Like, see, I Mike Remmers. Some people are like, oh, he was bad. No, I and I forget how Mike Remmers played. Mike Remmers is not flawed thinking. Short, one-term deal, fill-in stopgap veteran who could start. Fine. Makes sense to me. I, if he, Whether he plays terribly or not, that's not a move I'm going to take Dave Gettleman to task for. Golden Tate, on the other hand, is a move I'm going to take Dave Gettleman to task for. The move there is to sign a younger guy if you want to. If you want a wide receiver, they're getting rid of Odell, was not to sign Golden Tate there. That's a panic move. The move there is to sign a 27-year-old, 26-year-old, and hope that he elevates his play. And if the guy fails, fine. I get it. You know, if you bring in a Kenny Galladay type, and you know what? Kenny Galladay is not made to be a number one. I, fine. I get it. I understand the logic. But to get go for a 31-year-old who probably was on the decline was just a silly, silly move. And now we're sitting here two years later. Not surprisingly, he's, at a, he's cut. Made $21.77 million. Pretty good for Golden Tate. And now he'll go to a good team. He can still play. He'll still be a good player. Like, if he goes back to Seattle on a, on a you know, one-year, $3 million deal, and he's playing alongside Tyler Lockett and D- DK Metcalf, I get it. It makes sense. You know, as a third receiver there, it makes sense. Now, but they would run into the same problem. And this was also, I didn't bring it up, but the, the logic behind it was silly because Tate was the best in the slot. And he proved that when he went to the Eagles and he struggled on the outside. So the Giants sign him a primary slot guy, a guy who should be a primary slot guy, when they already just they already have a guy on the roster in Sterling Shepard, who they then would re-sign to a long-term deal or extend. I'm sorry, give an extension for a long-term deal. Who also is best in the slot? So their two best receivers were then were two slot guys. So just the whole line of thinking there bothers me. Still does. It just doesn't make any sense to me how anybody could come up with this as your plan of attack. This is how we're going to get it right and fix our problems. We got rid of Odell. How are we going to fill the wide receiver spot? Oh, let's sign a 31-year-old slot guy. Really? That's how you're going to do it? Now, moving forward a little bit, free agency's on the horizon. The name that I really have my eyes on here, and when we're talking about wide receiver, is Kenny Galladay. I think I mentioned this last time. I mean, to me, it's just the guy that at the ch- as the chips are falling here, it's starting to seem like he is the receiver at the top of the market that has the best chance to become a free agent. Because Allen Robinson seems likely and certain to get the franchise tag. Okay. That would make sense for the Giants. I actually think Allen Robinson is less of a risk than Kenny Galladay. Uh, better investment if you can get him, but I don't think they could get him. Same with Chris Godwin. Probably a better investment, a little bit safer risk. Uh, although, you know, he's played next to some pretty good receivers. I think that helps him out, but I, I like him. Good player. Like he had some drops in the playoffs, but. I don't think that's a long-term thing. I think he's just a good quality player in the league. Kenny Galladay, a little bit more risk. 
barely has 2,000-yard receivers. Not like he hasn't played with a good quarterback. He played with Matthew Stafford for the most part. I know Stafford's been injured on and off in part for the last year and a half. Uh, two years ago, at least, was missed most of the season. Not this past season, the one before. But still, never really blossomed into the, you know, the stud. Like He was behind some receivers. He had other guys there, but I don't know. And he didn't play this year. He has some injury. The, 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 the Lions never really wanted to sign him long-term. That should speak volumes about what they think about him. So there are questions with Kenny Galladay, for sure. Still think he's a really good player. Is he a $20 million a year player? No. No, 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 no. Like, that's what Amari Cooper got last year. The Giants aren't, I don't think, going in that range for him. But if he's available for the right amount, $15 million, you know, four years, $60 million, I think that's something that would make sense for the Giants and that they would be interested in. Now, if that doesn't work out, now we're talking about falling down to a whole different level of guy. Would they go for Will Fuller, who I really like, but he comes with even more question marks. So I don't see that as being as realistic. I, I see them that being a little bit too risky in free agency. So then we're talking next level of guys, Corey Davis. And then we're not talking number ones anymore. So that's a totally different conversation. If they can't get Kenny Galladay, maybe they do. That is part of what they go. But I think at that point, you just go cheaper veteran, one-year guy, look to add a guy in a draft and then address it again next year. And then you look to maybe spend the one big free agent signing outside of your roster, outside of Leonard Williams, who they're who I'm expecting them to resign and seems to be trending in that direction, would be Bud Dupree, the edge rusher, a guy I know they like internally. But again, the price would have to be right. I mean, he's a dynamite player. Steelers, outside linebacker, power, speed, does it all. Coming off a knee injury, which makes him a risk. But you know what kind of player this guy is if he's healthy and guys do come back from that ACL. So those are the two premier guys I have my eyes on for the Giants. And I know that People there think pretty highly of those two guys. Giants made a call for Kenny Galladay. We had talked about this at the trade deadline last year, somewhere around there. Not that they were going to likely make a deal, but just to sort of check in, see what the deal was. Probably some reconnaissance, maybe even reconnaissance to see, you know, for free for, with where we're at now in free agency. And then Bud Dupree is, they, they saw firsthand how good he is. Th- that opener, he was the best player on the field. Stud. So, as we sit here, I'm taping this, uh, I believe it's, what What are we, uh, two weeks from free agency? Somewhere around that, maybe a little less. Those are the two premier guys I'm keeping an eye on. Now, the franchise tag could play into this, so keep an eye on that. But let's get to some more of the business side of the Giants and football with our interview. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's talk to our guest, Jason Fitzgerald. Uh, he is the owner of OverTheCap.com. You should, you should go check it out if you haven't. I mean, it does pretty much everything for you pertaining to the salary cap and 
tries to explain it in the simplest terms and and terms. And this is not an easy thing because we know how complicated it is. Also, author of Crunching Numbers, along with the great VJ Natarajan. Uh, Jason, welcome. We got we got a lot to talk about this year, probably more than ever. Yeah, I think so. So let's uh, I'd say let's just jump right into it. Okay, let's let's get right into it. Right. Okay. The Giants make some moves yesterday. They cut Golden Tate and uh, David Mayo, creating the range of eight million dollars in cap space. They're, they, let's say you have them at slightly over seven million dollars right now in cap space. How do you view that? What do, what do you what do you look at that and 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 say okay? How do they create more space? Is that is that good number? Is that a bad number at this point? I mean, this is this is an unprecedented year in regards to the salary cap. Yeah, I'd say it's a so-so number. You know, if this was a normal year, I'd be like, yeah, this isn't a good position for the Giants. But when you consider how bad the salary cap is going to be, I mean, it's pretty much middle of the road um, for most teams. And if you look over the roster and especially you look at their offensive line, uh, you know, there's ability to create cap space there. you know, if they need it. And there, there's some other spots as well with some other players who they signed last year, like Bradbury, um, where they can go in and restructure those deals for salary cap relief. Let, let's talk about that for a second. You, you you brought it up. So do you, is is that a route you would take with guys that are already on the team, maybe convert their, their base salary to a, a roster bonus where you could then, pro, you know, prorate that out over and, and take the hit of that over a couple of years? Is, is that what you expect teams to do at this point? Oh, yeah. I, I think that you're going to see a lot of that this year. I think even with free agency, you're going to see a lot of signings with bigger signing bonuses than usual or maybe bonuses that prorate that start next year. Um, I, I think there'll be a little bit more creative maneuvering. I mean, in a normal year, I, I'd probably be against doing stuff like that. But I, I think given the circumstances and the fact that it's going to pretty much hit almost every single team equally, I, I don't think there's really a downside this year to doing that stuff with your salary cap and your player contracts. Right. More or less likely considering the Giants, okay, you look at their overall roster, right? They really don't have the huge contracts that some of these teams have. It really past this year, they're they're not there's not a lot of big contracts on the Giants books, right? Especially their their biggest guys are uh Bradbury, Blake Martinez, and then who they signed last offseason, obviously. And then sold Nate Solder and Kevin Zeitler, who you you kind of mentioned before without saying their names, but those are moves that are probably going to be addressed here. So when you have so little on the books for the future in regards to big long-term contracts, how do you then handle the rest of your roster Consider this year? How would you, if you were the Giants, considering what they have on the books? I think just basically what you said, you look at the future and you, you look and you say, okay, you know what? This year, maybe it's not the greatest of salary cap positions, but as we look one year down the line and two years down the line, things really aren't that bad. So if we have to put a couple of dollars from this year into 2022, into 2023, it's not going to hurt us because, as you said, the, the rest of the roster is in an OK position. Uh, you know, the quarterback's still on a rookie contract, even if you get into the option year that um you know, eventually could come into play. Right, the uh, option and you're still, yeah, you know, you're still, you're still pretty good uh, financially. And I, I think the other thing that you look at too, with it, if they do have to go back into the draft again and take quarterback after the season, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that they'll, they'll go a hundred percent with Jones this year. Yeah. Um, that is, the you know, it, it just, it puts you right back at the beginning in terms of your salary cap stuff where you're still not allocating any big money to your quarterback position. So that really gives you a lot of room that you can spend on the rest of your roster. So I, I don't think there's any danger in the Giants pushing things this year. Okay, so before we get to 
the spending part of it. Let's talk about the, you know, the, the two that we brought up before, Nate Solder, Kevin Zeitler. Okay. Let's start, let's start with Solder. Let's say, is, is there any difference? Uh, now, Nate Solder said he, he intends to play in the right situation. He wants to play, but does it make any difference if Nate Solder retires or gets cut for the Giants in regards to cap purposes, money purposes? So it, it not really. It, it would depend on what the Giants would want to do. Um, if he was to retire, the Giants would have the ability to go after his signing bonus prorations that exist in his contract. Now, I forget how many times they've actually restructured it. So it's not the full $6.5 million per year that you'll see on the site. It's probably a little bit less than that. Um, but for him, there's a financial incentive to basically say, hey, look, cut me. Um, it, it doesn't give the Giants any avenue to to go after any kind of money uh, at that point in time. But otherwise, there's really no difference. If he retires, the same amount of money is going to come off the books for this year. Um, or if he cuts, the same amount of money is going to come off the books and the same amount of money is going to be dead money as well. Well, there, there, there is a slightly bit. There is a slight difference you can get, right? You can get the if you designate guys post June first. How do you expect right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams to kind of handle that though this year. Do you, do you expect um, more it, teams using the June first to try and create more money this year? I, I think you might see a couple of teams do that, but I think it would be with contracts that are lower uh, in cap number than this. I mean, if they were to do that with him, they'd have to carry his cap charge at $16.5 million during free agency. So I, I think you're going to use that move more with players who have maybe, you know, say like a $6 million cap charge, and maybe you'll right. only save $2 million if you do a regular cut, and you'll save $4 million if you do a post-June 1. Those are the kind of players you do the post June one with because that gives you the money to sign your rookies in the summer. So you you can basically run right up to the salary cap um, during free agency, and then June second rolls around, and it's like okay, now we've got an influx of uh, cap space to fit all our rookie contracts in. So I think those are the players more that'll be hit with the the post June one designation than guys who have these big large salary cap figures like Solder, where it just makes more sense to cut the guy and save six million in cap space right now. Uh, that you can use in free agency. Right, because this is a good reminder. You just said that teams have to be under the cap once the new league year begins. So during free agency, they can't just go over the cap and then worry about it later on. It's something that they have to sort of juggle as they go along here. And then like if they want to make money for the rookies later, they could do it later. But in the meantime, you have to still abide by the cap as you do signings and it has to get approved by the league. Am Am I getting that process right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So, you know, by March 17th, all these teams have to be under the cap. So where you might go to a website like mine and you'll see teams like the Saints, you know, $60 million over in the next two weeks, they have to to figure out a way to get that all all straightened out. Um, all the teams have to do that. So yeah, that, that's exactly right. You you have to get your books in order first, then you deal with, okay, now, now that we have a little bit of extra space, how do we deal with that with the post-June ones versus the regular cuts and everything else? And then that's one of the fun things with your site, to be honest, is you go to that interactive section in the cap calculator and you can sit there and cut guys and you can see how much money you gain, how much with, with you know, just with the press of the button. And, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, sort of like simulator type things when people do like the draft simulator. That, that's kind of fun to just sit there and go through the possibilities. Now, of course, you know, the cap is a very hard thing to understand, but we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, let's go over Kevin Zeitler for a second, because the more I. I talk to people and think about it. And, you know, his status on the Giants is is kind of shaky right now because uh, it is, he's a $14.5 million cap hit 
$12 million salary. That's a lot. You, let's say the Giants decide to cut Kevin Zeitler. He's a good player, right? He's not a great player, especially at this point of his career, getting up there in age. What do you think? Because this is kind of what they the way they have to think about it, right? What and how could they, if, if they cut him, how could they fill the void? So what does a player with about Kevin Zeitler's skill, let's say he gets cut, what do you think he's worth on the open market? Uh, probably somewhere in the ballpark, I would guess six to seven million. Um, you know, in, unless the unless the numbers are going to fall even more um, than I'm thinking. You know, he's a steady veteran player at a position that's kind of considered somewhat valuable uh, in free agency. So I, I would get ballpark. Um, not a lot of great guards available this year. You have two big name, two bigger name players who are going to be available. Gabe Jackson also just got released. And, you know, th- those guys are going to kind of fit in the same yeah. range there. I was curious to see if Gabe Jackson kind of gets signed pretty quickly, which I doubt will happen in this in this market. But if he did, to see like where he would come in, then you, the Giants would head. And that would su- seem to serve to their benefit because they could kind of say, okay, let's see what a player like Kevin Zeiler is actually worth on this open market this year. Yeah, I think if uh, if you saw a player like that sign right now, or even you know somebody else of a similar level, kind of resign uh, or restructure a deal, whatever whatever it may be, that gives you an ability to go to someone when you're asking for a pay cut, and you know have some numbers there to back it up and say, hey, look, you know what, we're not trying to lowball you. This, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Minnesota last year, you know, when they offered a pay cut to Riley Reef in uh, Minnesota, uh, basically, I think Reef took uh, two days to kind of survey the market while he was still on the Vikings and realized the best deal that existed for him was what the Vikings were going to offer to pay him. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's what you have to, to kind of allow happen because you're also dealing, you know, where you're asking someone to take a big pay cut or something like that. I mean, you got to deal with feelings. You got to deal with your relationships with with these players, what it's going to do, um, you know, how they're going to react to it. And sometimes you you need to kind of, ease into some of those things uh, when you're going to suggest that stuff and then kind of give everyone a time to kind of consider everything, calm down and then get to the negotiating table and be happy with um, whatever deal that you decide and, you know, works out for both sides. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you my sort of uh, theory here. And and, and I, I don't think anybody really knows the answer to this because we're all guesstimating. This is, like I said before, uncharted territory. Like, the cap has never gone down like this. So teams have never quite been in this situation. No one really knows how this offseason is going to go, right? But here's here's my theory, right? You tell me what you think and what you think of my theory in general. The top guys, the real, real top guys in free agency, they'll get paid. They'll, they'll, they'll get around probably what they would have if they were a free agent last year. It's the next level guys, that second tier guys, who the money is going to dry out real quick. And then you're going to see a lot of veterans being cut the next few weeks. So there'll be a lot of veteran players, a ton of them, really, being available and being available for reasonable prices on on relatively short-term deals. And those guys are the ones who are going to have trouble finding the money maybe that they, they used to be able to find in free agency. What do you think of that theory? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, you know, your top guys, like you said, the, you're not going to get a top player uh, for cheaper money. You know, you're not going to get Dak Prescott for less money in Dallas because the cap has gone down this year. Uh, That's just not going to happen. But yeah, when you get to those second tier guys and third tier guys, one, like you said, you're going to get a lot more competition in free agency this year from veterans who are probably still capable of playing. You know, a lot of times when players get released, it's kind of the end for many of them. Uh, This is going to be a little bit different. So you're going to get an influx of talent into free agency who's still capable of playing. And you might be able to get a better bargain on. 
Um, so you're going to have increased competition and you've got the salary cap constraints that are going to be coming into play. So, yeah, I think those second tier guys and definitely the third tier, you know, that third wave of free agency that usually kicks in, you know, seven to useful, 10 days. Useful in or so. players usually in there too. Yeah. You know, I, I think this might be one of those situations where the guys who, I don't know, maybe end up taking less than they probably thought they were going to get, you know, a year, year and a half ago, but sign quickly might end up doing better than the guys that just kind of hold out hope waiting for that contract to come. Uh, and it's never going to arrive. You end up sitting there until the summertime and then you end up taking a deal for the minimum just to, just to keep a place in the league. Because the worst thing that you can do is leave the NFL for a year. It's really hard to come back. I think after you've, you know, you're just kind of out of the league for good. Uh, I think it's pretty tough to get back in. Yeah. You kind of have to be out of sight, out of mind really applies in the NFL. It really does Absolutely. the guys on the bottom man. even coaches also. I mean, if, if you like fall out of like the consciousness of, of the league and this little inner circle, it's really, really hard. And I've talked to countless guys about this, about getting back in. It's almost like a club. It's this very strange. Like, it's a very strange league for sure. For sure. In that regard, um, we, we, last year, I mean, this kind of flies under the radar because it's, it's been a crazy, crazy year, right? With, it's been a pandemic season, a pandemic year. Now we have a uh, salary cap that's dipped, but there is a new CBA that's kind of been in play now for what is it like a little bit about a year, right? Mm, yeah. That right. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, during the combine, I think last year when they kind of came to the agreement on it. Yeah. So is, is there anything in this new, new CBA with the economic climate that we're in that's sort of going to play a factor this year, this off season that maybe people don't realize? Yeah, I, I don't think too much of that. Um, you know, they've delayed, I, I think, calculating the salary cap simply because the the way that I think the CBA was written, um, if any new television contract was going to be signed this year, it was actually going to have to count on the cap regardless of when it came into play. You know, could have been signed in August if it was going to add for increased money. They're going to actually have to increase the salary cap, I think, in August time frame. So I think they waited as long as they could. So they, they'd actually have a pretty good idea right now of whatever this new deal might uh, with Disney and possibly, I guess, what they might be doing with Amazon on a Thursday night package, um, I guess, might bring in this year uh, in excess money. Plus, yeah, I, I guess they're waiting for some some more of an idea about attendance for next year. Um, but I, I think I think that was really the biggest thing. And I, I think they've already kind of taken that into account. So I, I don't think any of the other stuff um, where there's really have been changes is really going to impact too much things that go on in free agency this year. Teams handle the fifth year option kind of the same way. I know the, the, there's a difference in the guarantee, maybe, right? Something Okay. So yeah. So the way the fifth year option works is it, typically it was just injury guaranteed before. Now it's fully guaranteed, but the prices are depending on where you were drafted might end up being a little bit less than they were before. You know, they tie things now to um, being named to the pro bowl and instead of just playing time and, you know, being a top 10 pick or whatever. Uh, right. So, I mean, that might change some calculations there where if you had a kind of a, a questionable guy, um, maybe because of the full guarantee, if you're talking about a player who's been injured a lot, right? you might question picking it up. But for the most part, I think most teams are going to approach that the same because there's not too many guys that have been cut on that fifth year option, um, even after it's been picked up. You know, there's a handful, uh, but not too many. Right. Uh now, okay, so let, let's get it. Let's get do a little bit of projection here, right? Uh, Gi Giants side kind of guys. So, give me an idea of what you think. Let's say the top receiver. Let's uh, some most of them won't get to market, right? Uh, franchise tag, whatever. So, 
let's say yeah. Kenny Galladay. I think he's the most likely to get to market. What what is what do you think his range is? You're talking about a guy who was injured most of this year, 300 something yards receiving. What do you what do you think a reasonable deal for Kenny Galladay would be? I think he'd probably be looking at $17 million a season, $18 million a season, uh, even off the injury. I mean, you go back a couple of years ago, uh, Allen Robinson missed, I think it was the whole year, maybe played one game. I uh, signed for $15 million like in Chicago. The Jaguars. Yeah. So, you know, Galladay, um, Galladay, it just seemed to be like a whole bunch of nagging injuries last year. Uh, there, there may be some people that question whether he could have come back just didn't want to with the free agency stuff approaching. Maybe that'll turn some teams off, but I think the kind of talent that, that he has um, you're going to pay a lot for it. And you just keep your fingers crossed that he comes out there and is able to play every single week. Bud Dupree, another interesting one, because also coming off injury, his is more serious. So, right. He, tours yeah. So he's coming, he's coming off in a, Yep. Yeah. So he's coming off an ACL. Uh, my expectation is he'll be ready for training camp, I think. That's so I, I don't think his, recently, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Let's so I, I don't think his salary. Yeah. So, you know, players like that, you know, high draft pedigrees coming from a good organization. So a lot of teams will look at that as like, you know, it, it's a good type of guy to bring into a locker room to bring a winning culture and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I would guess anywhere from 15 to 17 million a year, probably for someone like that as well. Man, 15 to 17 million for the, you know, stud uh, edge rusher compared to 17 for the big wide receiver. When you have to decide where you want to invest in, I don't know. To me, it seems like I would I would probably go towards the edge rusher in that regards if that's the that's the value. But hey, what do I know, right? Yeah, I I think the um I, I think the way the market shakes out this year, I think there's more value in probably paying the pass rushers who are going to be there than maybe overreaching on some of the wide receivers. Um, you know, we'll we'll see if it works out that way, but I, I kind of think that's that's kind of the the way that I would approach it. If I was, you know, running a team like the giants, who obviously those are two big needs for both of those, uh, both of those positions. I think that's the way that I would look at it. And then one last one projection style, Dalvin Tomlinson. So Tomlinson, you know, it's not a good year for uh, defensive tackles this year. Uh, Which in terms plays of free agents, hands, right? Exactly. So if you look at really where the market's gone for guys who wouldn't be considered like a pass rushing kind of guy, which he's certainly not, but he plays a lot. He's on the field all the time, very effective um, at what he does. You know, I, I think you're looking at about 13 and a half million, $14 million a year for a player like that. Right. Oof. Woo. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough investment if Leonard Williams is the priority, which brings me into Leonard Williams. So we had a project. So I had, a, I had to come up with an offer to submit on Leonard Williams. So I want, I want your opinion. And what you think of my offer, ready? Five years, $97.5 million for Leonard Williams. So that's, a, I believe that's 19 and a half exactly, uh, with a $25 million signing bonus. So his, his total guarantee is basically, his full guarantee would be $39 million range. Am I crazy? You think that's realistic? Or do you, th- do you think those numbers are, are about right of where he's going to land? Or do you think it's how much different do you see it falling in? Well, I, okay. So I think if you came in with that as an offer, I, I think that that would uh, open up discussions. Um, I, I don't think that that would be so so out of the, the realm of possibilities to where that would just kind of, you know, say, hey, look, franchise tag me and we'll deal with this the, the following year. Um, but I, I think, you know, he, he's been pretty, even when he was on the Jets, um, you know, pretty vocal, I think 
think about the, the the fact that he wants to be a you know one of these super high paid players. You know, you go back and you look at where he was drafted and everything else. I think you got to be over twenty million to get him to uh, to come to an agreement. Um, I think that's that's where he's going to be. I think he's going to look at the DeForest Buckner contract, um, which was in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be looking to get 20 plus 21 million dollars a season. And he has that leverage with that franchise tag as well, because yep. the number on that is pretty big this year. Um, you know, pretty much he's got that grievance. Four, so that's why I made it like a touch, touch, touch above that. Yeah. Number. Basically, so basically that number, which which like, you yeah, said, so he's going to look more of his negotiations. Right. So he's going to look to get more than that. And from the Giants perspective, too, I guess the question is, what what purpose is there in franchise tagging him for a second year? I mean, you wanted to see how he was going to do for 16 games. You saw how he was going to do for 16 games. He's not going to do better. Um, So I, I don't know what benefit there would be to that, especially given the cap issues that would come from it. You know, if you're looking at a $20 million salary cap charge versus doing a, a big long-term offer four or five years where you can bring that salary cap charge this year down to $7 million, yeah, even though you're going to lock yourself into them for probably seven, three exactly. seasons. Okay. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's kind of got a way also hard on the giant's mind here. Um, you know, the, if they really wanted to keep both of them, you know, if they wanted to keep him and Tomlinson, the only way you're going to be able to do that, I would think, um, is to get Leonard Williams done before free agency. Because if he's going in there at a $20 million cap charge, right. that's going to be difficult, you know, to, to do that. And not just that, you know, sign one of those pass rushers or a wide receiver to, you know, improve two weaknesses on the team, because all you're doing, bringing those two back is you're just staying status quo. So you're, you're looking to add to the mix as well, um, you know, along with your draft picks that you're bringing in. So I, I would think that the the Giants are not in the driver's seat um, situation with him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they put themselves in. You know, I guess we, wait, we've gone wait over this see, so many times on this out. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've gone over that so many times on this podcast, so the, the situation they put themselves in that regard. Well, that, that you know, you bring up a point. So let's say the Giants do want to re-sign Williams and Tomlinson and get another player, you know, big wide receiver or whatever. In order to do that, they're going to have to keep the, the cap numbers really low for these guys in, in year one, like we mentioned, right? They're gonna, there's no way around yep. it. that. That's going to have, have to do it. Yep. Now, in order to do that and then maybe have it a big jump in year two, you have to be pretty confident at least that the cap's going to have a huge jump in 2022. How confident are you that that's going to be the case here with how the NFL goes? Is that, I mean, obviously we can't predict anything for sure. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Who knows what happens? And that's how we end up in this spot in the first place. But you would you go under that assumption? Are you under that assumption that it's going to have a huge jump in 2022? Yeah, I, 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 think, it, I think it'll have a pretty big jump. Um, you know, and the, the thing is the teams are going to kind of probably have a good idea as to, whether it will or won't jump. So I'm sure all their guys are going to be kind of aware of it because they're, they're going to know how much of a shortfall there was from this season and how much of how much of that still might apply to 2022 and 2023. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you just look at like where a normal year would be, we'd probably be at a 210 um, salary cap, give or take a little bit, maybe a little right. bit higher. So you would assume, you know, the following year after that on a normal year would have been 220. So I don't know how much money they can necessarily still have to pay uh, due to COVID. And, you know, you do worry, of course, about what's going to happen this year. Um, I think most of the signs are pretty positive right now and that they, they might be able to get, 
maybe not full capacity next year, but certainly a lot of fans back in the building, um, you know, and increase that side of the equation. So I, I think you'd be looking at a base if it wasn't going to be 220, 225, maybe 215, um, 207, you know, something like that. And that that's a that's a monstrous jump if you're talking about working a, off a cap of 180. Yeah, well, you know, or even 185. You're, you're, yeah, you're yeah. A, you're so number there. Yeah, so I, I think that um, I, I think that you'll see a, a pretty decent size jump, and I think I think that will be the case. Um, you know, for for the way they do it, and if it was me approaching it. I think I would approach it the same way. I, I think I would look at it and say, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to assume 2022 is going to be better and I'll dump some money in there. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how teams look at that. If, if they're willing to go under that assumption and really take that risk. Cause there, there is some risk, no matter how you know confident you might feel about that right now. So I want to know, all right, well, let's get into Jason Fitzgerald for a second here. How do you get into NFL salary cap and starting this website and, and being Mr. Over the cap. I mean, give me, give me the background on this. Uh, just a, just a fan of football. And, you know, I used to talk about, I'm a Jets fan, sadly. I was going to uh, get into that too in a second. It's been a bad decade, bad decade. Decade. Oh, gosh. How about life? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, mean, I don't I, know how old you are, but I'm pretty sure your you know, entire life we, has been uh, pedestrian to below average. I've had, Jets. Hey, we've, we've, we've had a couple We've had a couple things. We we had a Vinny a Vinny Testaverde year, a couple of Chad Pennington years. Yeah, they made two championship games in a row. I mean, they're not the they're not the Isn't Lions that have been but... decent. The Sanchez two years there, yeah, it's not not far off. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, you know, I'm a Jets fan, and you know, used to talk with my buddies all the time about the Jets and stuff. You know, you can go out for drinks or something like that. Topic of the Jets always coming up, and um, just really into it. Used to go on to message boards and forums, and just was always kind of attracted to the contract side of stuff. And one day, just lots of salary cap kind of talk, and it was like none of the stuff makes any sense. All the stuff that's out there, it's like there's so many different conflicting reports from the different beat reporters and everything like that. I said, you know what? Let's let's see if I can learn a little bit about it. I like to write about. Jets. I like to talk about the Jets. I'll just make a little tiny website that's kind of focused on the salary cap and I'll put a couple of thoughts in there. And I just kind of got really into it, started to learn more and more and more about it. And that kind of grew from there. I said, well, you know, I'm kind of getting good at tracking the Jets salary cap. Let's see if I can do the AFC East. And then said, well, let's give it a shot to do, uh, you know, kind of the entire NFL and kind of be, um, I don't know, something that's a little bit instructional kind of gives a, a little bit more of an overview, I think, on some of the salary cap issues and contract issues around the league than just, you know, just throwing a number out there and say, hey, there's a number. Take a look at it. And uh, but that's pretty much it. You know, just a fan of the sport. And I, I think that's how a lot of people kind of get into a lot of this stuff, whether it's reporting on the NFL, whether it's doing the analytics side of stuff and doing analytics studies. Most of the people that you meet really love football. Um, you know, whether it's a team or just the game itself and they just really get into it, um, with whatever little niche you kind of choose to, to be in. And mine has just kind of been salary cap stuff. That's the beauty of it is that it's like a sort of a labor of love, right? I mean, that, that's the whole thing. you you did it out of fun first, but now, so at what point did you realize, and you know, that are out there that did you realize that people inside the league are paying attention to what you're doing. Well, that was before I did over the cap. Um, so just even you doing even the jet that site, beforehand. Yeah. So even doing the jet site, um, you know, you knew that there were certain teams that were kind of looking at the stuff um, huh. that we were putting out there in part, because we, we were talking about very different topics than, um, 
you know, some of the other people. And, you know, I would work a lot with uh, the various reporters for the team, which was really for me, very beneficial. The, the Jets beat at that point in time, had a lot of young people who some of them are still on the Jets beat and they were fine with saying, Hey, here's a website with some stuff and might be bringing it even to the attention of the team saying, Hey, is this right? And they look at it and go, yeah, you know, it pretty much is. And, uh, you know, so I, I think through the reporters, a lot of people became aware of it. And then I, I would say by, um, you know, I launched over the cap, I think in 2013, uh, right after kind of the Super Bowl there, I think it was by 2014 or so was when I started to get kind of some feedback here and there from people within the league. And then you just kind of started to realize um, more and more people would look at it more and more people were just kind of finding the the ways that we built stuff um, to kind of be useful compared to, I, I think, what even existed on the the NFL side of the format or on the, the union side of the format for things that they do for agents. Um, so it was probably around that time. And, you know, since then, we get a lot more people. There's people who've written for the site who uh, work in the NFL right now. There's people right. who, you know, I've through the years just chatted with, asked me about stuff that have tried to get into the NFL. Maybe they work um, as agents or maybe they work with the team or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, some of the guys joke around, they say, yo, it's almost like a coaching tree that you've got. <laughs> and, uh, you well, know, I, la- you I laugh then? a little how bit about, about that. How about you then? How serious, so, how serious, or how close have you gotten to making that jump? I haven't, I haven't even really attempted to, um, you know, I'm kind of happy doing this on the side and, you know, fitting this in with my schedule and doing stuff with the family and the kids and everything else. Um, then doing the whole NFL jump thing, you know, I'm happy to do this and to kind of focus on this here and there. And then, you know, every now and then during free agency season, you know, you get busy and you pick up some stuff that you're working on on the side. That's a, a little bit more, um, intensive for, you know, specific, clients and individuals who might be doing stuff in the contract realm. Um, but I, I think this is kind of what I like to do. And, um, you know, I'll get complaints from certain people from uh, some of the things that I write, but most people don't mind it. They, you know, e- even if you get a complaint about it, I think because of the way that I talk about it and the way that I write about it and the way that you kind of walk through, you know, why I'm saying something is good or why I'm saying something's bad, not just saying, you know, this guy's an idiot for doing this deal. Right. Um, most people will be like, yeah, you know, okay, I get what you're saying. This is what we were thinking. And uh, I'll tell you why we did it this way. And, you know, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a different approach too. Um, when you look at some of the deals as to, to why the teams do what they do. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of been fun and I kind of enjoy uh, being in this little space. You get a lot of crap from Giants fans. Though. How much at least you, you got to get it. I mean, yo, come on, you're a Jets fan. You hate everything the Giants do. Oh, no, the Giants don't bother me at all. I, I hope the Giants grow, won those couple of Super Bowls. You didn't grow up with Bowls. that envy so. or hate? No, 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 no. My, my grandfather was a Giants fan. We, oh, used, really? we used to go to some of the, yeah, so when I was young and we would go to some of the uh, some of the Giants games as well as the Jets games. You know, the Jets were an easier ticket to get than the, the Giants were in the late 80s and when I was younger and we would go to the games. But well, my father was a Jets fan, so we we Your we watched uh, wrong, more of the Jets. The I have a lot of family, but uh, too. I, I understand. Like, <laughs> think about so, it, but you, you know the Giants. You, you were born into the wrong family, basically. I mean, you, your life would probably be so. happier if you're a Giant fan. Let's let's be honest. I know yeah, that's right now. It, but... 
grandfather on my uh that's on my mother's side so i guess i needed to follow more on my mother's side than on my father's side with the, uh, with the jets but no I, I i like the giants i don't ever uh begrudge anyone with the giants i know a lot about the giants history love a lot of their older players i think it's a you know it's a great organization um it's a great team um but yeah that's you know whatever right you're saying rubbing your face you know it's right there to rub in your well, face you get it see oh it's the giants it's their fourth you know but the, okay. the funny thing is it, it is true whenever you're saying anything negative about a team you know people jump all over you on twitter Twitter, you're an idiot. You yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, you're just a Jets fan. It's like, read the stuff I write about the Jets. What sounds like I'm a Jets fan? <laughs> Most of the you're stuff more is critical uh, of the Jets, actually. Oh my God. Your it's like that. And they're terrible. You know, it, it's like the one one thing after another, it just gets worse and worse. It's like, trust me, I'm an equal opportunity, uh, you know, killer here when it comes to certain certain moves that teams will make. I thought about this recently, and you mentioned it before. I mean, the best quarterback of your lifetime on the Jets is like, you know, Chad Pennington or Vinny Testaverde. I mean, those are your options. Yeah, it's Vinny. It's really, yeah, it, it's, it's really not good. And that was a very short period of time. I mean, you're considering Vinny. Vinny probably had the it was best a year. season, I guess. But I mean. It, it was a year. Um, you know, Chad had those couple days, uh, his Achilles, right? Uh, his Achilles. Yeah, he, uh, he tore the Achilles. And then, you know, Chad had a couple fun years. Um, he got hurt way too often and the the Raiders figured him out in that playoff game. And I, I think he had some troubles um, after that with the way teams adjusted to him, but he had a nice run. If you look for, um, you know, a run of a couple years there, uh, the Pennington run was better than Testaverde's run, which really was just the two seasons. You know, it was the, the, the 98 season where I still can't believe all these years later that he gets to the Super Bowl, And then, um, you know, the, I guess the 2001 season, they made the playoffs in uh, Herman Edwards' first year. Um, See, this, is my whole, this is my whole point. They here. moved on to Chad Pennington. My whole point here, 40 years later, I mean, this is what you're talking about as the highlight of your Jets fan life. I mean, it's not it's not good. Oh, yeah, it's like it's, you should, it's not you good. You should have something no, no, no. better than talking about your video why they didn't do to talk about for your lifetime. <laughs> I mean, come on. So you know, I, I, I can, uh, <laughs> there was hope, you know, that there were a couple of moves here and there, but uh, you know, the Sanchez didn't work out and Geno <laughs> Smith was a disaster and Sam Darnold's been about as bad as anyone could have ever imagined. So they just can't get that quarterback selection, right? No matter what they do, no matter what they try, they just can't seem to get it right. And then nothing else works out for them. They just, uh, well, it all, all starts there. No direction. You know I mean, the giants got it yeah, right with absolutely. Eli. That was, that was the difference, man. You know, they got it right with Eli. They got it right with Phil Sims. And those, those two basically brought them four championships. I know, I know Eli wasn't, I mean, uh, Sims wasn't the quarterback starting quarterback for the second one, but that was his, still his team. So yeah, that's what that it's was all his about. team. He got, he got hurt there. So, you know, that's uh, it's, it is, it's the biggest difference between the, uh, the two teams. I think there is that the giants have had a lot of stability um, with a couple of those quarterbacks, whereas the jets have had done, we, we, we kind of, we, we measure success in, Hey, this guy had a good season and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Eli had like what? 18 is <laughs> there for like almost yeah. two decades. Well, good luck uh, on that. Of maybe finally getting it right. It'll be funny, fun because the giants and the jets are sort of both trying to build up from the same spot here. And it's been like that for the last few years. And we're kind of waiting in the New York market to see, okay, which one of these teams can actually get good first. And we're still waiting, but it's coming. I guess uh, this has been as, default, as bad of a time for uh, bad of a time for New York football as I can, I can really remember. Yeah, usually no. at least one of the teams is absolutely at least competing for the playoffs. Um, you know, so well, I mean, hasn't been good. The Giants worst run since the, the what, 70s. So 
Uh, me being 40, and I wasn't even alive for that. So this is, uh, that's where we're at. But I appreciate your time. Uh, everybody, make sure you go check out Over the Cap. It's uh, by Jason Fitzgerald. He do, he really does an awesome job. And trust me, I speak to people in the league all the time. They, they all track it. They all know what's going on. Uh, I, I believe Dave Gettleman at one point, even last year, mentioned that he, he uh, you know, you go and look at sites like yours and they're pretty much right on the money and you people know where you're at salary cap wise. So uh, that, that's a testament to the work you do, Jason. Appreciate that and your time on this podcast, man. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Talk soon. Anytime, man. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we're going to wrap this up with a quick Jordan on a beat. This is the part of the podcast where I explain to you what it's like to be a reporter covering the Giants, working for ESPN, covering the NFL in general. And since we started with Golden Tate, we'll end this with Golden Tate as well, a little Golden Tate story. Uh, now, I will say this about Golden Tate. Uh, he had a rocky two years with the Giants. Uh, when I had the opportunity, though, I did actually enjoy talking to him. Uh, he was a good guy in the locker room, at least in the 2019 season when we were allowed in the locker room. Uh, you could have pretty good conversations with him, and he seemed like a nice enough guy. But uh, certainly didn't go as planned for the Giants or probably for Golden Tate either. And uh, one of the things that did stand out about Golden Tate in the locker room was, so it's the end of the 2019 season. The Giants are done. Everybody knows it. I mean, they're bad. Uh, Shermer's getting fired. Everybody knows it. So it's probably like week 15, 16. There's a couple weeks left in the season. And we come into the locker room, and Golden Tate had his golf clubs out, right? So they're sitting in front of his locker, his whole, go his whole golf clubs and golf golf set. And never asked, you know, what the, what the deal was. But I'm just, just perception-wise, it's a very weird thing. because. It, you know, and the Giants actually did play out the streak pretty fairly, uh, pretty well late in that season. But you're looking at it, and it just gave the impression that, all right, these guys have thrown in the towel, right? To have your golf clubs in the locker room, like you could easily just have them in your car. What do you need your whole golf club set in the middle of the locker room, sitting there for everyone to see, including the media when they came in? So this is just a, one of the, Oddest, strangest things. Obviously not up there with Akeem Nix brushing his teeth 
in the middle of an interview in a visiting locker room with no sink there. Uh, that that was that was different. Or uh, John Jerry massaging his boobs, but buck naked while we're just having a general conversation. I mean, there's way weirder things that go on in a locker room with reporter player interaction, and and then having uh, the your golf clubs out. But I'm just saying, gave off the complete wrong impression and if it were me i wouldn't want to bring my golf clubs into a locker room and have them sitting there late in the season because it it, it just it, it's saying to everyone else it's blaring and saying hey look i'm ready for the off season i'm ready to get out of here i'm ready to go start golfing you know the expression you know oh what oh we beat you like in a, in a must-win game you know i'm gonna go send you go send you golfing have fun on the golf course kind of deal you know so that <laughs> that joke is always out there but you know, Golden Tate didn't care. Big golfer, by the way. Supposed to be a really good golfer as well. He played in one of those like Lake Tahoe tournaments, I believe it was last year, or has in the previous years in the past. So supposed to be a pretty good golfer. Plays plays a lot of golf. But anyway, uh, I would advise no one's asking me advice, but if I were a player, I would advise them to avoid bringing your golf clubs into the locker room. And if I'm Pat Shermer and I saw that, I'd probably in that case knowing. You're about to get fired, and you're trying to win games late in the season at all costs, and uh, you know to save your job or whatever. Even though it probably wasn't possible, but and then a guy's sitting there and he has his golf clubs in the locker room. I would just lose it. I would just my tie, my just my lid would just blow. I would I would not take to that very well. But hey, has golf clubs in the locker room, full set, nice set too, nice set. All right. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, you can reach me Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, email. Um, What am I missing? The other social platforms that I'm on now. Who knows? uh, TikTok or Clubhouse, whatever, whatever it is. I'm out there. You can reach me. Feel free to send questions because... I think early next week we're going to do a Giants after dark with with free agency getting even closer and closer. Well, I'll just do one and uh, an episode here of Breaking Big Blue. I'll answer all your questions. So feel free to send them. Fire away. I'll try and answer anything that's you know semi reasonable. Not everything. I shouldn't say that. But I'll pick a good handful or two and try and answer as many questions as possible. And as always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Breaking Big Blue, best Giants podcast out there, best inside information in Giants podcast that's out there. That's what I should say, because that's that's what I think I bring to the table. And if you want to know something that's – because, you know, when I'm telling you some of these things, some of the things I mentioned in the opening segment, this isn't just me spouting my opinion. This is me giving you uh, an informed opinion after having multiple conversations with people around the league, with people within the organization, uh, with agents, you know, with all kinds of people, with players. So it's an informed opinion on a lot of these topics. So make sure you tell your friends, like, subscribe, and we'll see you and hopefully them next time. I'm Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com Giants reporter. See you next time. (laughs) 